What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. wait to share this conversation with you where I speak with the amazing Jodie Fox. Entrepreneur and co-founder of global business Shoes of Prey, Jodie is someone I wanted to meet for such a long time. Not only have we experienced some similar challenges with our businesses, but I have admired her entrepreneurial spirit and success for a long, long time. Jodie has gone through so much of the past few years, both in business and in her personal life, which she was kind enough to openly share with us in this honest and inspiring episode, for which I am so incredibly grateful. Shoes of Prey was an incredible startup global success story, allowing people to design their own beautiful and fashionable shoes online, then have them shipped anywhere in the world. However, despite its incredible early success, sadly, in 2018, the business had to close its doors. As you can imagine, this was absolutely heartbreaking for Jodie, saying goodbye to her dream and working through all the challenges that led to closing its door and beyond. More amazingly, Jodie has shared this journey with the world in her book, Reboot, probably more than what you wanted to know about starting a global business. Jodie strongly believes in talking about the things that went wrong and by sharing her story with others, she hoped to make it less lonely for anyone else going through similar struggles. Having gone through some difficult times myself recently, I found Jodie's book really, really helped me. In this really inspiring episode, we discuss how Jodie followed her dream to create a business she loved, as well as the idea that you are never too old to start something new. How we sometimes let fear and our expertise get in the way of what might truly make us happy. The importance of checking in with yourself and what you want your life to look like. Remembering that we don't have to have all the answers before starting something. No one ever does. The impact of surrounding yourself with wonderful people who can inspire you and support you. How it's easier to make it through the tough times if you're doing something you love. That we should always do everything before we're ready. Just start. Jody's personal toolkit for managing through challenges and anxieties and so much more. You are going to love this episode. So let's get right into it. Hi, Jodie, and welcome to my Dream Life podcast. Thank you so much for having me. 
I'm so excited to have you for many different reasons. One, because you were on my list to meet one day. I read about Shoes of Prey, I think, in one of the magazines or online many years ago. And uh, I was thinking, yeah, I would love to be an entrepreneur like you. I felt like you were just doing it in such an amazing new way of looking at business. So I was super inspired by you. And then I put you in my book. I have that 101 people I want to meet and you were part of that and we still haven't met in person but I feel like we are now <laughs> now taking that off in some ways but I'm looking forward to, to meet um, with you in person so welcome I'm super super excited to have you on my podcast. Thank you that's enormously flattering and um, the feeling is mutual having what's your business as well truly extraordinary and um, many uh, Kiki K items floating around my home. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> the other reason I wanted to um, have you on is because both of us have gone through very challenging times with our businesses. And also my um, lovely listeners are dealing with lots of different challenges. It could be anything from you know losing their businesses, but also losing their jobs and obviously dealing with the situation globally. There's many different reasons, COVID obviously being one of them. So there's so much angst and and um, I guess problems around the world right now and I felt like it was it's really good to have guests on that have gone through quite tough times because as we know both of us uh, there are silver linings in in everything that we're going through so that is another reason why I wanted to have you on. Thank you no I do really strongly believe in talking about when things went wrong and how we put one foot in front of the other and what that path looked like. Because when we talk about failure being the place that we learn the most, the way that we can have that situation of um, all boats rising together is by sharing what those learnings were and really getting into that gritty detail because you having gone through tough times as well would know the sense of loneliness uh, in those dark moments is pretty extraordinary and difficult to deal with on its own, let alone maintaining the focus, resilience, and just sort of perseverance through to your very toes uh, to keep going. So yeah, I think think sharing it is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll get into a little bit more of that, obviously. But before we do, I'd love to ask you, and I ask every guest that I have on my podcast this question, when you were a kid, were you dreaming about something in terms of was there something you wanted to to do or become or was there some dream <laughs> that you wanted to, to make happen in your childhood? And Yeah. So I grew up in a, a country town and called Lismore, which was awesome. And I think I, I was really focused on my creative side and I actually probably would have thought that I was going to head into dancing or acting and was pretty heavily focused on my time there. So a bit different where I am now. Um, <laughs> but I, I did also think sort of the other side of, side of my brain, and I've always had these two sides, did hope that one day I would be able to run a business and travel internationally and kind of, you know, have these extraordinary experiences and um, connections with people. So there was both sides of it there. But I will admit that I was probably more heavily biased by the creative side. Tell us a little bit about your startup in terms of how you started your business. But also, I know um, that you did law. And I know by reading your book that um, it was you didn't enjoy it. And funnily enough, when I read it, I, I met 
so many people who are in law or are studying law. And it's funny because I, they are the most frequent defectors. <laughs> Because they say, oh, I'm not really what I'm doing. I'm like, are you in law by any chance? <laughs> and, my, and my theory is, and you can obviously correct me much better if I'm if I'm wrong here, but often when um, when you are really good at school or perhaps you have parents who want the best for you, it's a very, an obvious choice for many, many people who are very good at school because the potential of working in law in any industry is obviously there, but also um, it's uh, it's when you don't really know what to do, that's, it's a good education, obviously. So tell us a little bit about that, what made you not loving that, but also um, how you got into your business. So look, a law degree was, for me, it was like reading the rules in the box for the board game. You know, it was really understanding how the world worked. And because I'd been so creatively biased, which I absolutely loved, I didn't feel like I understood how the world worked. You know, I'd kind of, you know, see the news and I wouldn't fully get kind of what was going on. So for me, you know, taking a law degree really did fall into that kind of bucket of what you're talking about of the the amazing general knowledge that underpins loads of different industries that's good to kind of have um you know sitting there so that drove me to it then when i uh graduated i was really fortunate to go into an awesome law firm i went to ashurst i was there when they were Blake Dawson Waldron and i was fortunate to work with some really excellent legal minds and learn a lot the thing was though that i didn't kind of have the kind of focus and joy that I had hoped that I would have in my kind of chosen career. And I fully appreciated that, you know, no job was going to be a party 24 seven, but it was, you know, less than I had expected. So I started to, I made a list and the list went beyond, you know, kind of career considerations. And I wrote down everything that I felt like I needed for you know, my life to be fulfilling. And then I started marrying it across into possible career choices. And that was when I moved into advertising and learned about building brands. And believe me, that was a steep learning curve. And then I, while I was there, we came up with the idea for Shoes of Prey. So Shoes of Prey was the place where you could design your own shoes online. Uh, They were luxury quality shoes that you could buy at non-luxury prices. And it started out as my two co-founders, so one was Michael, one was Mike. Uh, Michael Fox was one of them, so my ex-husband. Um, and he's most certainly uh, a very good friend now. I am really proud of the way that uh, we navigated that. So he had studied law and commerce and Mike Knapp had studied law and IT. And I had done law and international business. And so we all went off into our own areas. And Mike had ended up at Google as a software engineer. Michael had done law and then moved across into Super Cheap Auto as their first graduate employee and was um, just so, such a hunger and curiosity around retail um, and got to sort of see that business as it was the fastest growing retailer in Australia. And then I had gone into advertising and Actually, I think Michael had just gone to Google when we were um, chatting together and the boys had seen uh, online retail starting to get traction. It was around the time, you know, where these businesses were taking off. People were confident that handing over credit card details online was going to be okay. And I had heard about a place where you could design your own shoes and it was in Hong Kong. So I was very lucky to be doing a trip overseas. And I did my stopover in Hong Kong and rushed off the plane to go to this place. And in an hour and a half, I designed 14 pairs of shoes. And I know that sounds like a lot, but when you really get in the swing of it, it's awesome. (laughs) And, uh, 
Yeah, it was great. I mean, just, you know, there were swatches of material everywhere and, you know, just that capacity to get into that creative moment and make exactly what you wanted rather than compromising for, oh, I kind of wanted something like this, but a toe a little bit more like that. Just being able to know this is exactly how I want it felt fantastic. So 14 pairs of shoes later that turned up about sort of 10 to 12 weeks later, girlfriends started asking me about the shoes. And uh, when I explained how I'd gotten them, they asked me to make shoes for them. So I started doing that. And the boys had also read a book by Seth Godin called The Purple Cow. And very, very top line concept is if you drove past a field and you saw a black cow, white cow, brown cow, whatever, you just keep driving. But if you saw this purple cow, you would stop, you would take a photo, you would share it. There's a very natural social currency about it. And um, so they were sort of thinking about the idea of online retail starting to be a thing um, and the purple cow. And when we kind of talked about this idea of designing your own shoes online, it seemed to really resonate with those characteristics amongst uh, women. Then we just started taking small bites out of it. Was anyone else doing this? How would we do it? Could we find a manufacturer to work with, which we in the end ended up taking up on ourselves many years later into the business and building our own factory. And it was amazing. So we broke even at two months. We're in multi-million revenue after two years. We were kind of towards the middle of middle time of the business we ran for 10 years our average shipping time had gone from 10 weeks down to 11 days from receiving your order to shipping it to you anywhere in the world when you clicked buy now on the website you know so the the software itself was extraordinary and it gave photorealistic images of what you were designing in real time. Uh, so you could really get a sense of what that shoe was going to look like. You clicked buy now and then it printed out in our factory and the shoe would be made and shipped. And we were shipping to more than a hundred countries. We did offline retail and won the world's best store design for our concept store. Uh, so, you know, there were lots of really um, extraordinary moments on that journey. But the tough thing was that after all of these extraordinary successes and big journey, and we raised about, we raised 27 million US dollars along the way from, you know, really exceptional minds. We ended up having to close the business in 2018. And, you know, I guess the the key reason was that actually all of the research that we had done of interviewing customers and really executing on the strategy, we discovered that actually we were overperforming in a niche rather than being able to tip into the mass market. And that was just one of the most heartbreaking experiences of my life. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, when you are kind of in the momentum of a business of that size as well, it is impacting and heartbreaking for other people too who have kind of been on that journey and there are many many stakeholders to think about who are connected to that from you know investors to staff to customers to you know managing yourself as well it's it was a yeah big journey before we go into more of that one thing that i loved um, is um your list in this when you started talk about how you went from going to going from law into your own business. And it, it, when I read it, it made me laugh because I have a 3M list where I came up with important to me at the time. So tell me a little bit about how did you come up with that list? Uh, because I think this is really inspiring for others who might be in law <laughs> or might be in a career or in, in a business or something that doesn't, doesn't feel quite right. And, you know, I had this big belief that we should do what we love and sometimes it takes a little while and sometimes we have to try a few different ways and sometimes we fail and sometimes we we do something and we realise a little bit too late perhaps that we don't enjoy it. But it doesn't really matter because every day is a new day and you can rethink everything. And I love that you did a list. But how did you actually, how did you go about that? Because I think sometimes 
it's a difficult one, especially if you are in a space where you're not really quite sure or you are not really, you're going through a challenging time, especially if you're not happy with what you're doing. So how did you come up with that list and what did you put on that list roughly? You don't have to share everything, but it's a couple. So I'm going to answer that in two ways because look, I'm actually making the list again right now. <laughs> and uh, it's a bit different this time. And I'll, I'll talk about that too. Um, so I think the difference when I made that first list, and honestly, not a lot has changed, but um, I still really have a lot of those things on my new list. But um, it's different when you're making it when you're starting out in your career. It's different when you are a lot younger. It's different when you're a lot more junior because you know, there's the potential and kind of the learner's mindset is completely present. It's at the front and center of everything. So when you make that list, as we get sort of more experienced, we tend to throw in our expertise into gear, which helps us to make decisions more quickly, but it also puts blinkers on us as well. So um, yeah, when I made that list, I kind of, it literally was just a free form and thinking through all the parts of my life, you know, what do I care about? What makes me excited? loosely like you know how do I feel about the way that I want to be perceived how do I want to feel in my gut about myself what things do I want to achieve in do I want a family you know all those kinds of things so it's really kind of touching on those big touchstones the difference now um, in making the list today and going through that kind of exercise about what really ignites my passion is that there's kind of the weight of the expertise that sits on you and kind of creates blinkers there's definitely fear as one of the elements as well like oh god like you know that was incredibly painful, embarrassing, shameful, all those emotions to fail. Can I do next? You know, what does that look like? And, um, you know, you kind of get more sophisticated about the way you create that list. So in between, um, so there was the, the sort of very free form list when I was starting out, then I created a process where at the end of every year, um, and this was inspired by someone who I saw speak at VAMP a couple of years ago. And, she suggested breaking your life into three areas. So um, well-being, relationships, and health. And then you map like the one-year, five-year, 10-year projections. And so I did that. And then, and you know, dreams of what you wanted at each of those. And then it led me into some other areas like, okay, well, if I want to be in my a relationship, you know, what, what elements of that are important to me? So it kind of like sort of spurt, went out into other areas. Today, what I'm doing is I'm working through a book called Maybe It's You. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe the subtitle is cut the crap, face your fears and, you know, live your life. Look, honestly, I'm only a few chapters in, but it has been fantastic so far at helping to give the freedom, the space, the categories, the suggestions for how to really unpack what it is that switches on that sense of joy and then how to shape that into something actionable. And the reason that I need a tool like that now is that I think, you know, I certainly have a natural tendency to say, oh, but at this age and experience, I should just know what I'm doing now. And that really cuts out the, you know, or I feel like, oh gosh, you know, why isn't it obvious? Well, the fact is it just never is obvious. And I saw this cool diagram the other day, which is, which showed like sort of a lifetime from, you know, zero through to death. <laughs> and it sort of pointed out all these times really early on the timeline where we're happy to start something new. And then people kind of tend to cut themselves off at a certain point that it's not okay to start something new, but truly the only time that it's not okay to start something new is when you're dead. It's impossible. So yeah, I think for me at this stage, having some kind of tools around that is the thing that is, you know, really helpful. And actually it's a really exciting process. I'm really enjoying it. 
that sounds amazing. I haven't read that book, so I'm going to get that. And one thing that I encourage people in my book is to ask people, what would you do if you couldn't fail? Because I think failure is such a big fear, and especially if you have gone through the thing that you and me have gone through, the fear is even more, no doubt. But also there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear about what people think about you, especially, for example, if you went through law, then you might have parents who are very opinionated about a certain degree or you might have peers that put you on this in this pigeonhole or whatever it is. Um, so I think that um, asking yourself, what would you do if you couldn't fail, if you had all the money, the resources and the knowledge and the health and the energy and everything you needed to create whatever you wanted to do, what would you do? And often I get, I find that you get into this headspace where if anything is possible, what comes to mind? And, and it's funny because I've done that, you know, I do this every year and it's something that I now talk about all the time. But but a few years ago when I um, when I did that, podcast was just coming on and um, coming was a new thing. And, um, and I thought, oh, you know, if my English was great, if my, uh, if I wasn't so scattered and, you know, thinking about a million ideas during, you know, an interview, I could perhaps, you know, learn how to do it. And then, you, you know, if I could listen to my own voice, all those kind of things that, that come, you know, it comes up when you are doing something that is perhaps a little bit out of your comfort zone. But then I was like, well, you know, I'm going to just do it anyway. And I'm just going to start. And I remember like, I, I never had really anxiety starting my own business, but I have so much anxiety starting my own podcast. And some people who do their own podcasting, that is just like so crazy thinking that, you know, I've managed to, I guess, build a global business and there was no anxiety about that, but a little podcast, not a little podcast, but a podcast that, you know, you know, it doesn't really matter um, that much. Um, but the key message here, I guess, is that we all have our self-doubts on certain things and some some things are obvious for others and obviously different for other people. But my thing is like, let's just start, let's just take one step and you can try and you can you can change your mind. And, and it sounds like you're on a very exciting um, journey ahead of you. I hope so. I mean, you know, it, I think I really love that. What would you do if you couldn't fail? For me, one of the ways I used to think about it, I still do actually, was you got to do everything before you're ready. Because the only time that you actually feel ready for something is once you've already done it, once you've done it before. <laughs> and you you can have that faith and incontrovertible evidence that you can point at. And seeing the start of something, knowing where to start and just taking action. But yeah, I think that sense of the fear of failure is a pretty palpable one um, and tough to get by. But if you can convince yourself just to do it anyway, (laughs) I actually find that once I've made a plan and I'm doing something about it, the fear almost drops away instantly because, you know, I know that I'm taking action. And that to me is actually the the only thing that, maybe not the only thing, but certainly the most comforting thing I can do when I'm feeling scared about something. I think so too. And I think just start, like I have this um, quote that I often show to people when I do my talks and um, often on my Instagram is like, you don't have to be great to start, but you actually have to start to be great. And I love that because sometimes we we just overthink it. And um, you know, when you see people who think, oh, I thought of that two years ago, I wish I took action. But you know, the, the person who took that action had to deal with the same out of the comfort zone as well. And that person actually just decided to take action. And And um, I think it's so good to be, and I often speak about this here, but you can never be reminded, it doesn't matter how good you are in certain areas, there's always things that you are a little bit out of your comfort zone in. Totally. And I mean, just to, just to like riff on my obvious love of cheesy quotes right now, I saw one this morning um, that one of the girls I used to work with posted, Tierney, it was, whatever you are not changing, you are choosing. 
And I was like, oh, okay, yep, that really called me out. Okay, all right, good. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really big on quotes because it reminds me I have a vision board and I put all those quotes to um, get me moving because sometimes, you know, procrastination and, you know, staying where you are is, um, is, is a discomfort on its own is in its own way. So I always have this 50-50 idea where if you want to do something and you have a dream that you really want to do and it's really out of your comfort zone, that would be scary. But it will also be really scary to stay where you are and knowing that for the rest of your life you actually didn't take any action. And I have this chapter in my book and some people do not like it, but the reality is that we only have so many years on earth. And if we, you know, one of my dreams is to live to 120 (laughs) and I have a timeline. And even in my book, I encourage people to work out how many months they have left if they believe that they're going to turn 100. And I know it's very confronting for a lot of people, but, but it's very powerful because it just gets me happening. And it also, it also makes you take action regardless of what people think because I often talk about this and I do an Instagram live every Monday night and um, I get so much questions about out of comfort and p- thinking about what you know what what if what do other people think about me but then um, at the end of our life that's not going to matter what's going to matter is that you did whatever you could to live your best life whatever that is it doesn't mean you have to start a global business it means only what is interesting and important to you obviously in your book I I love how someone said to you, I had an awesome day and that really made you think. Yeah. So actually I'm still very close friends with this person. So Matt Newell, who is the founder of The General Store, absolutely awesome retail agency. Yeah, we had dinner one night and I was in the middle of lawyering and, you know, he asked me how my day was and, you know, I kind of recounted it and you know wasn't really enjoying recounting it to to be honest and then I asked him how his day was and he was like my day was great and he talked to me about it and I just remember thinking to myself that's what I want to say when I finish work and go for dinner (laughs) and it just made me realize I think I think sometimes you do need to be look comparison is not always a healthy thing but when you can be exposed to you know what what great looks like with lots of different people you can start to see and believe in what those opportunities can look like for you and that conversation was really pivotal for me I think that's a good measure as well you know I mean there's there's lots of ways to find that litmus test there's the you'll have to excuse me for um swearing on your podcast but um, there's the if it's not a yeah then you know is it really a yes at all you know, and that might be a little extreme, but I think that it is definitely worth knowing what amazing can look like and no harm in having a crack and going for that. I so agree with you. Even though all the challenging time that I went through the last few months, there were so many things that I didn't enjoy and so many things that were so hard. And it was, you know, there were days where I just didn't really know if I can get through the day. But then there were days where I woke up remembering why I started the business and why what it is that you know gets me out of bed and I think that what I call a dream life and and you know your you know have an awesome day kind of life is never a perfect life but we all have to go through difficult times and and even you know if we talk relationships and anything in life there are ups and downs and um, and I think that's so important because sometimes I think we are thinking that 
if we do what we love doing, there's not going to be any tough times. And obviously that's not true. And we, we see that over and over. But sometimes I think it's it's easy to predict that, you know, once I'm doing this, everything's going to be perfect. But there is no such a thing as a perfect life. But if you do what you love, the hard times get easier. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're totally right there. And the type of resilience, problem solving, level of care, all of those sort of things that come up during those hard moments, you just, you can't have that without doing something that you love. All right. So a lot of my listeners would have dreams that include starting their own business. And um, and I often get this question and I saw in your book that you have this as well. And I love you to touch on this with when do you go from having a side hustle, which I encourage everyone who wants to start their business to actually start on the side so you can actually support yourself and, you know, eat and pay rent or whatever you need to do to, to live a nice life while you, you know, contemplating perhaps starting your business. And sometimes it's actually really good to try before you actually jump uh, to have it as your main hustle. So how did you decide to go from a side hustle to a main hustle? And um, what was the biggest fear to doing that? Yeah. So for me, side hustle to main hustle. So there were three co-founders and we each kind of left our full-time gigs um, in the order that the business needed each of us. And so Mike Knapp left first and that was to see if we could build a website and concept and technology that would offer a good experience for designing your own shoes online. And so Michael and I split our salary between the three of us. And then Michael was very operationally focused in the business. So then he left to set up the systems and processes for that. And then, you know, kind of once things were in shape there, then it was, you know, time for me to, you know, figure out how we were going to take this to market. So, you know, that's how we kind of managed our finances and did that. But I still remember the day that, in fact, the three of us went to lunch to talk about me joining the business full time. And, you know, at that point, Michael and I were married and we had money saved to either start a business or, you know, make a deposit on a house. And, you know, it was really, truly that fork in the road of the what if, or, you know, I'm in this career, I'm progressing well, uh, you know, the really sure path. And I knew that I wanted to go into the business. Uh, There were a few fears there and what really helped me overcome them were kind of firstly having just even just an ounce of faith in myself to know that, okay, if things are going to go wrong, I'll handle it well. I'll be able to know how to face that moment financially in terms of business, all all of those things, you know, that there's, I have to have the faith that I will know how to handle, how to handle that moment. Also, I was scared about falling back in terms of my career path and progression. And I was like, you know what? I mean, if we go in and run this business and even if it has a moderate amount of success, my God, like, you know, we will have learned phenomenally more and been exposed to so many more important things about how businesses operate than kind of taking this um, much safer, but, you know, sort of this road of uh, career progression within an employer. And I think maybe the biggest one for me was uh, having faith that if things did go wrong that my I had very strong friends and family around me who could kind of you know catch me in those tough moments because those relationships are actually really critical to not allow yourself to get too lost in your own head in those moments so you know if I was having a tough day if I needed to um you know make a decision that sucked like maybe there was a redundancy that needed to be made or something like that you know these are the people who would say to me you know yeah that 
absolutely sucks, not for you, but for the person this happened to today. But, you know, if it was the right business decision, then that took guts to make. So that's, that's good. And you have to keep going. Or, you know, these would be the people, if I made a terrible decision or did something absolutely ridiculous, you know, these are the people who'd be like, Hey, look, that's a blip. You're usually pretty smart. Just get back up, get back in there. And hearing those words, sure, you can tell them to yourself. We can crochet all the doilies in the world with all the beautiful quotes on them. But um, being able to sit down with someone who knows you to have that conversation with you is, for me, was definitely one of the ways that I got past my fears to be able to take these steps and make these decisions. So, yeah, those were kind of the the things that got me to the point of being able to make the decision to make it the full-time hustle. There's an exercise that I often do when I have a new idea or a new dream that I want to contemplate. I always think, you know, what would it look like in, you know, one year or five years, depending on what the the size of the dream, what would my life look like if I go on that path in five years' time or what would my life look like if I don't do it and I stay where I am? And, and, um, again, it often comes down to, like, I'd rather be down that big dream side, but it means that I'm going to have to get out of my comfort zone again and it means that I'm going to have to show up even sometimes when it's difficult. So so I think that's a really good way of looking at it too versus staying where you are. And I think, you know, life is to be lived and tried and, and um, it's exciting to think about the potential uh, and you can decide either way, obviously, when you, when you look at both sides. What did you love most of having your own business? Something that I learned early on about myself when I was making that very first list is I love when I'm building something. I love contributing to creating something and I really love working with other people. So um, I love being creative too. I don't know. There were, there were a lot of things to enjoy about it, but if I had to take a really broad stroke, it would be I loved starting my own business because I was creating something from scratch. I love that too. And what did you enjoy the least? <laughs> so I've, I've thought about this uh, because I actually got asked this question recently. <laughs> and I think the thing I enjoyed the least was when I had to do deep research on very administrative things. Um, it just, oh my God, I couldn't convince myself to read, you know, so deeply. I mean, I did it, but oh my God, no, did not enjoy. <laughs> That's why I thank God for like simple solutions like Slack and Zero and, you know, and all of these amazing product stacks that you can put together where you don't have to go as deep into that research anymore. But um, yeah, I enjoyed that the least. <laughs> One of the things that I enjoy the least is I love the attention to details, but I'm not good at creating that myself. So, so when, as we were growing the business, there was, um, you know, in the beginning you have to do everything obviously. And that's just part of it. That's exciting because you, you learn it. And I love that. But then as I was growing the business, there was, you know, for example, bookkeeping and the financial side, it wasn't exciting for me I, I loved learning it but I didn't enjoy doing it so you know the excitement of learning something new was one off while I was sitting there trying to put the figures together <laughs> but then um, but then you know really what I think is really good working out what your strengths are and really being brave enough to kind of um, kind of uh, follow that and um, and you know I remember I'm, I'm part of EO so um, the entrepreneurs organization and I remember saying to my forum one day I'm gonna I'm gonna get to a stage where I have no direct reports, and they just laughed at me, saying that's never gonna happen. <laughs> and um, I said, no, it's a dream, and I'm gonna happen, make it happen. And uh, when I had my children, I decided to uh, take a bit of a step back and um, focusing on the creative side and creating products, not really running the business because 
there was so many complexity with being um, a global brand and being in five countries and it was just um, something that I didn't enjoy and wasn't good at either and um, Paul my partner um, took over that side and I, I stayed and I, I love that I was able to do that first but also uh, was kept really strong and you know when we now got back to um, um, uh, Kiki K and um kind of restarting everything again um there was many views that I should take certain teams <laughs> on board and I was like no nah, I'm gonna that is my dream I'm gonna stick with that and I think there is something really good about knowing what your strengths are even though if you have to sometimes we have to do things we don't love but um, eventually um, stick to that and work out how you can make that happen how did you deal with all the challenging times obviously both of us has gone through um, similar things but the way we dealt with it might have been very different. One of the things that was really helpful for me was to read your book. And uh, first I was so amazed that you could write a book in the middle of all this. And for anyone who wants to read your book, I think it's a brilliant book for really understanding how to start your own business but also how to go through challenging time. And and um, i just love to hear how you actually dealt with all that and how you could actually uh, write a book during the most challenging time in your life. As anyone will know who is listening to this podcast and yourself as well, whether you are going through a tough moment as a business owner, as an employee, in your personal life even, sometimes the emotions you're experiencing in the moment are just so phenomenal that you need to find something to do with them so that you can focus on what you need to get done. And I have discovered a few times over now that my natural response is fight, not flight. And to be able to, when I was in those moments of being just so wired and needing to sort of get a thought out so that I could focus on what I really needed to be focused on at the time, you know, I would, I would write. I didn't have it in a format of a book or anything like that. I was just capturing the essence of what was going on in that moment and it felt better when I got it out. So particularly towards the second half of the book, I was writing those things in the moment. You know, I remember kind of taking calls from all through the night at midnight, 4am, whatever it was, I would literally doing whatever it would take to get everything done and to come out the other side. And then, you know, obviously if you're kind of taking calls at that time, you know, when you put your head on your pillow at 2am, you're wired. And for me, the way to kind of break some of that adrenaline down was to, I'd say put pen to paper, but it was hands to keyboard um, and get it out. So that's why some of those sort of last chapters particularly are so visceral uh, because it was happening in the moment. For the other parts of the book, you know, we'd shared a lot throughout the entire journey of the business through blogs and my YouTube channel um, and all of that kind of thing. And I, I think that the really cool thing about that was we really, from the very beginning of the business, were like, look, we are three brains put together, but actually there's a lot of brains out there that we can't afford to hire yet. So I wonder what, if we were just transparent, you know, maybe people might enjoy and share and kind of we could crowdsource um, some of that expertise into the business. So we were always very open about it. So there was already, you know, sort of quite a body of content there to kind of draw in that, you know, sort of documented what had happened. So that's kind of, you know, where all the parts of the book came from. The one thing that's sort of tough about having written that book and particularly like as it was happening and then releasing it really still as it was happening was that it definitely, like, and even talking about it now, to be totally honest, I still really feel and live some of the emotions of that time. 
I'm not sure what it takes to fully get past all of that. And, you know, I'll be totally honest, like too, and like I have a whole kit of tools, you know, like my, I have an, an amazing therapist that I've worked with for years. I'm not ashamed to say like, dude, she's on my speed door dial. <laughs> well, not on my speed dial, but, you know, we have regular appointments. Um, you know, exercise is hugely important for me. It, just moving my body and sweating was actually one of the few things that really helped me to quickly process anxieties and adrenaline to be able to have that grounded feeling in my gut so that I could think clearly. And then there were like a host of just um, really quick things to short circuit or to break the circuit on really sort of, you know, tough moments. So one of them that I had heard from someone who dealt with anxiety a lot, which I did also was, you know, you put a piece, an ice cube in your hand and you hold onto it really tightly and just all of your thoughts kind of shut down and just focus on what's happening in your hand. And it breaks that sort of, you know, looping that might be going on or that anxiety that might be going on. So yeah, there were a number of tools in that toolkit that kind of helped me to go through it that ranged from mental, physical, whatever, to help just put one foot in front of the other. Yeah, some great tips there. I did um, very much similar movement to me was, um, and this when it happened to me, it was in the middle of ISO. So I spent a lot of time walking for hours and hours to kind of really get through it. And I wrote as well. So I think the tools there are very similar and uh, really helped me as well. I wanted to just touch on one more challenging thing and then we can move on to some dreaming questions and uh, end on a, on a positive note. But uh, I think this will be so helpful uh, for a lot of our listeners because in your book, and you're sharing this, otherwise I wouldn't have brought it up, that you also went through a divorce. And, uh, <laughs> I did. I, uh, in, and with your business partner and your life partner. And um, when I read that, I cried. And um, maybe I was just super emotional, but I was like, and I don't know if you remember, but you're talking about sharing I actually reached out to Michael when we were um uh and I didn't know you and someone we must have had a mutual friend me and Michael and I don't know who uh, he was in EO as well so you probably were yes connected. maybe that's yes. what it was yes, yeah yes. and it just brings up I just brought it up now I'm thinking because I always share when EO has reached out and so I reached out to him because we were um, launching into the US and uh, obviously you guys were based there so so he was really helpful and super nice as you are so I can so um, relate that you guys have been so helpful for so many other entrepreneurs uh, me included and also obviously with your book but when I read about your divorce I was just like Oh, how can you how can you cope with more much more than what you have? So maybe just tell us a little bit how you went through that and um, because obviously a divorce is tough um, in normal circumstances, but when you work with someone, it must be even worse. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I look back on it with quite a sense of humor now and Michael and I remain to this day, good mates. I would characterize him as kind of a brother because we just know each other, have, you know, we're obviously like in each other's pockets for such a long time. Kind of as we were realizing it wasn't working, we really genuinely tried absolutely everything. I don't believe anyone steps into a marriage ever imagining that that's where the path will lead. And we didn't want that to happen with us. So, you know, whether we tried all different kinds of therapies, we tried, you know, meditation courses. Um, we really, you know, we talked to our friends and family. Um, we really just did so much to try and make that work. But there's also a point where you realize that it has, you know, if you've tried all of those things and it's still the same problems, then, you know, the answer is that the whole thing needs to change. And very luckily, we were on a mutual journey with that. Um, had we not worked together so much and 
on so many ways to approach it. And I think it could have been much more challenging. So I remember when we finally did make the decision, we were kind of sitting in our apartment and, you know, I said to Michael, you know, you take everything. I don't want anything. And he was like, no, 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 you take everything. I don't want anything. <laughs> you know, so like that was the kind of level of mutual that it was. And then balancing it in the workplace. So we didn't tell our team actually for the first two months that we had separated and we had moved into separate places and had been living separately for two months. And, um, the kind of sense of humor happens now where we were like, okay, we'll call people in one at a time. And then we're like, no, no, that's a terrible idea. People will go out looking sad and, or, or you know, like a bit awkward and people will think they're getting fired. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> so we ended up inviting people in teams at a time and telling them. And I think the fact that we had continued working together for two months and they hadn't picked it showed them that, you know, this could work. We also kind of dealt with everything very quickly as well. If there was any discomfort or friction, you know, we would talk about it on the spot. So, you know, can I just talk to you in the boardroom for a minute? You know, <laughs> talk about it. Dating new people was really, uh, you know, one to be navigated as well. We both lived in Surrey Hills, so we split it down the middle and I had from kind of Kipak Street to the city and <laughs> Michael had the other end and just, I mean, God, who wants to run into their ex on a date? You know, <laughs> it's awkward enough, you know, not, not meeting people at the office or anything like that. So of course those things, you know, evolved when we both got into serious relationships and um, I can say hand on my heart, you know, it, we all worked to make sure that it was right. And um, his wife, Katrine is an extraordinary human. So yeah, but look, it's of course like it, you know, I can talk about it in hilarious terms now. There were definitely challenges at the time but I think the key thing was being respectful of each other and talking about things as they happened not building up these kind of festering storylines in our heads about you know what was going on. Thank you so much for sharing all that because I know that there will be a lot of people going through a lot of different things and there have been so many things in this conversation that has been valuable for business personal and um and relationships so thank you so very much before we finish up i would love to ask you a few questions a little bit faster and one is if you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life what would you say i mentioned this earlier and i still really stand by it just do everything before you're ready you're only going to feel confident about what you're doing once you've done it or tried so just do everything before you're ready. Yeah, love that. Yeah, I don't think you can hear that enough. Even when you are, you know, even when you are in the middle of trying, I think keeping that in front of you is really, really beneficial. Thank you. I love reading, uh, so I'm always interested in to know. Do you have a favorite book and why? The book that I mentioned earlier, I think it's Lauren Handler is the author. I'll have to check her surname and I apologize profusely if I've gotten that wrong, but the book is Maybe It's You, Cut the Crap, Face Your Fears. Fantastic book for uh, working through finding what it is that you're passionate about and how to take action on that and shape your life. The other <laughs> books that I'm reading, this is kind of hilarious. I'm a sci-fi nerd, so um, I have been reading through the Asimov book uh, back catalogue. And I have also been reading Dune, uh, the series of books. And I am proud to say that I started reading them before the movie was announced uh, that's coming out later this year. And it's enormously geeky, uh, but really seminal sci-fi works that I absolutely love. And um, yeah, I guess everyone knows that now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just I like I like taking the balance between something super practical or business book and then just something that completely takes my brain out of it every day yeah so I think that's good I think I'm a little bit more um one-sided when it comes to books because I just love learning about business and personal development and sometimes I'm thinking oh just but it's definitely good to change so um, I can completely understand that you loving that as well I would love to know if you have a favorite Kiki K product or a favorite stationary item. Oh my God. So I have always had a bit of an obsession with stationary, so it's a bit hard to narrow it down to one. I'd have to say right now, my favorite thing is a good fountain pen. Yeah. It just feels so good to have that, you know, ballpoint's okay, but a fountain pen, we've got all that extra ink coming off the pen and it sort of flows with your handwriting. It just feels really good. (laughs) I really like to get everything out on paper with all that ink and just enjoy the process of, you know, what it feels like to get it out before I might, you know, then go to my computer and type up a more succinct or tighter, more grammatically correct version of the thought. Yeah, I love handwriting. And I I think that because we're spending so much time, especially now in, um, in ISO, we are spending so much time on screen. So I think handwriting is more important than ever. And it also makes you feel really good getting everything out. But also if you write a card or a letter, it feels very special. Oh, 100%. Technology world. Getting a piece of mail that is actually for you, that someone has bothered to create, that has put a stamp on it, ah, like – how romantic it's great <laughs> yeah, yeah but it's a gift for the person doing it as as well as a gift for receiving it so I think it's beneficial for both so yeah love that obviously being a stationary lover <laughs> <laughs> the last question I have is if you could give yourself like your younger self say like a you know your teenage self one piece of advice what would you say the do everything before you're ready is still front and center It would be something around that and just going forward with confidence, not apologizing and, you know, sort of holding this small space, but instead just try, who cares? Just try. No regrets. I remember hearing in a song, the lyric, um, it's better to regret something you did do than something you didn't do. And I think just knowing that maybe caring a bit less about perception and all of those illusions that we build up and just going for it. I think messages all around that would be what I would tell my younger self in the most impactful way that I possibly could communicate to her with all of that wealth of naivety that we have in our youth. What a beautiful way to end, but I'm going to ask one more question. Oh, a bonus. (laughs) (laughs) What would you do right now if you couldn't fail? If I knew I couldn't fail, I would start my next business today. (gasps) Yay. (laughs) And knowing that I can, I'll probably do it anyway. You know, I love – I had Ariana Huffington on uh, uh, this podcast. And, oh, my um, God. I, I love her and she is just an extraordinary human. And I'm not quite sure if I'm saying it right, but she always talk about failure is not the opposite of success. Failure is a stepping stone to success. And I think regardless of the failure and, and, you know, within our business, we always encourage us, you know, everyone to try different things. And if we fail, we, we you know, that's what we learn. As long as we don't do the same mistakes, obviously, over and over. <laughs> but I do think that, you know, that should never stop us from doing what we love because sometimes failure is, is the silver lining and you it will, you know, get you to another place. And um, 
know, in many ways, what I've experienced, um, there has been so many silver linings and there's so many things that, you know, are much better uh, compared to what it was a few months ago. And I think um, if I was looking at failure, then, you know, you could just stop and you just go to bed and you, you don't want to wake up again. But being part of that makes you know even more yourself, but also um, what you sh- should or shouldn't do in the future. Yeah, absolutely. God, she is so inspiring. Another one of her quotes that I carry around with me is, uh, fearlessness is not the absence of fear, it's the mastery of fear. So knowing that failure, fear, these things, they will always be there. They're not good enough reasons not to is an extremely exciting thought. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jody, this has been such an amazing hour. I'm super inspired and uh, I cannot thank you enough for writing the book. It was incredibly helpful for me during my challenging time and I have no doubt it will be so beneficial for so many people going through um, tough time regardless if it's business or not business but also for people who are starting out business to really understand what you need to do to to create a global business so thank you first for sharing that and also for taking your time I know that you have a very full schedule um, in your private life now so I'm very very grateful and um, I am excited to um, see what you're doing next and if um, if I could be any support um, you know where to get me. Well thank you for having me and honestly it was so flattering to hear from you I have watched your business and absolutely loved it and I'm confident that you and I are going to have many conversations beyond this. Yes, me too. Thank you so much and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Wow, I could have spoken to Jodi for hours. I just love how open and honest she was about everything she has been through, but also her positive and practical way of looking at everything. Such an inspiration. One thing I really related to, aside from the challenges of business, of course, was the power of writing down the things you want in life. I truly believe giving yourself this space to dream and think about the things that makes you happy, your passions, is the first step in creating a life you love. I really hope you were able to take something away from this episode. If you did, I would love you to join your Dream Life Podcast private community group on Facebook and share what you found helpful and what you enjoyed. I love hearing from you. You can find the link to the community group in the show notes. Also, I will be hosting a free live dreaming workshop online on the 18th and the 22nd of October 2020, where we will work through my favorite 101 dream exercise live, and I will answer any questions you may have after. To register your place, follow the link in our show notes. Also, the doors to Your Dream Life Starts Here digital course is now open. It's closing at midnight Australian Eastern Standard Time on the 22nd of October. I would love you to join me. I'll be thinking of new dreams on my own and I'm going to do the work with you. So I really hope you join me. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiration. And don't forget to tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. And if you want to see more about what's happening in my world, you can follow me on Instagram at Christina Kiki K. Until next time, dream big. Dream big.